Anyway, I'm going to continue uh, in our series entitled 2020 Vision. How many have been here for a couple, of this, a couple of the messages? Raise your hand if you've been here. Good. All right. So week one, we talked about where vision begins. It all begins with Jesus. Can I have an amen? Uh, week two, we talked about uh, my plans. I got plans, but I need to submit my plans to God. For my plans to succeed... Uh, many of the plans in a man's heart, it's the Lord's purposes that prevail. I want my plans to win. I need to get in line with what God says about my plans. And then last week, we talked about God's vision for our finances. This wasn't a giving message. This was a stewardship message. Personally, this was one of my favorites because there was some stuff I've never taught before and uh, really important for us as we go into the new year to see kind of vision for our finances through the lens of an owner versus a manager. And so if you didn't hear that, please go check that out um, online at YouTube or our website or our podcast. Now, today, everybody say today. today. I'm going to talk about vision from God for your bot. Come on, somebody. Several people just got nervous. A couple of people gulped. Some people are like shoving the donut down from the common real fast, wiping off the uh, sugar, you know, stuff like that. So we're going to talk about God and your bod, okay? And uh, what does God have to say about this, this, physical, this physical body? Right now, this particular season that we're in, um, the resolution dilemma has occurred. In other words, every year around this time, people that established New Year's resolutions have statistically given up. It's like somewhere in the 85 to 90%. We set out January 1, 2020. It's a new year. It's a new decade. You know, I'm going to get in shape. I'm going to do this. I'm going to eat kale chips the rest of my life. I'm, I'm never, you know, whatever you got planned. And then by, you know, day somewhere, 7 to 21, I'm out. I love donuts, you know. And so all the running we do is through the refrigerator, etc. So... Anyway, I want to talk to you because some of the problems that we have are because we're focused on the external and not from the internal affecting uh, the external. Is everybody with me? God actually has to be central to all areas of your life, including your health. Your health. And uh, turn to your neighbor, just elbow him, say, this is going to be good for all of us. Maybe you should rub my back once in a while to encourage me, just to encourage me. Okay, I can just feel the tension. Everybody's like, oh, I'm nervous. Okay, it's going to be okay. Shoulder rubs at the halfway point. Okay. So this, this whole thing that we're looking at, God wants to be in the middle of it. The power to overcome in the physical is actually going to come from the internal. And I hope to kind of unpack that for you and help you see that today. But there's a direct connection between the spiritual and the physical. Direct connection. You can see this in so many arenas of life. You can see this certainly in health. You can see this in the sexual realm, in the scriptures, in other places that I can mention, and I won't. But if we, if we don't see this connection, we'll continue to fail in our health. We'll continue to fail uh, every diet, every fad diet on the planet. It won't work. One of my friends, a mentor, really, Pastor Larry Stockstill, pastors of awesome church in, in Bakers, Louisiana. He used to. He's, he's retired now. But his wife was just really sharp when it came to diet and health and, and things like that. And he, he asked her one time, he said, honey, you know, how is it that you stay, you know, how do you stay so thin? I, I just don't really understand it. He says, it's easy. She says, it's easy, honey. In the morning, I eat like a king. Man, I got eggs and I got bacon and I just, I just eat like a king. She says, at lunchtime, I eat like a prince. 
You know, I'm going to have like a salad, a little, little chicken salad on the side. You know what I mean? Side, side salad. Some of you side, side people are really jacked up. I just want to say, it's like, I'll have a side, a side, a side. Like, oh, I was a waiter. Let me just tell you. Anyway, I digress. Uh, so then she said, at, at, at nighttime, I eat like a pauper, just some nuts and some seeds and some berries. And that's how I stay so thin. So he started doing that. So I said, hey, how's that working out for you, Brother Larry? He says, well, it's been working out fine. He said, but every night about 10 o'clock, I hear this voice, little voice inside my head, and it says, long live the king. <laughs> right? I mean, we all, we all struggle at nighttime, don't we? It's somewhere about like 9, 10. It's just like you want manna from heaven. Like you want, that's Entenmann's Danish to me, in case you're wondering, raspberry, frosted. And I just, I can just see it. I can just see it. As I'm, I'm like, I'm on, I'm doing good all day long. And somewhere around 10 p.m., I got to have me some manna from heaven. Some Panera bread. That's, that's manna in the Bible. And uh, it's in the Greek. Just look it up. Uh, you know, some of you guys, you go to the doctor. I heard one guy went to the doctor and he said, Doc, how am I doing on my weight? Last time he told me I need to lose weight. He said, you're doing great. You're just 11 feet too short. Okay, I'm just loosening you up because this is what I call the tickle, tickle, punch, punch part, okay? Because we're going to get to the tough part. We all have physical things we, we need to change and want to change, don't we? We look in the mirror and say, I don't like that. We see things that that's not good. I need to change that. And so there's this, there's this tendency, if we keep going down the path the wrong way, the Bible calls it debauchery or debauchery. It basically, it's an it's a overindulgence of the senses, you just given in to every craving, every, every appetite, every lust of the flesh. And it's because there's a war going on inside of you. The Bible talks about this. You are created as a triune, tripart being. You have a spirit, a mind, and a body. And they're fighting each other like crazy nuts right now. Your spirit is the part of you because of God's spirit inside of you through salvation or regeneration. You, that's the part of you that's like God. It's the awesome part of you. It's the pure part of you. It is the uh, powerful part of you. And then there's the mind. That's where the, the, the will, the, the feelings, the emotions lie. And then there's your body, your wants, your desires, your feelings. Feelings. Sorry, I had to get it out. Whoa, whoa, feelings. Sorry. I just had to test my voice. I, I want to see if I can make it. <clears throat> haven't done that in years. My son's away, so I'm going to do it. So this, this war, some of you have been here a long time, you know what I'm talking about. This war among you basically is these three parts of you are fighting. They make up your soul. So Jesus saved your soul, but your, he didn't just save your, your, your mind. He didn't just save your spirit. He saved your body too. All of you he saved. But that part of you is it's, it's being conformed. It's being, it's being changed. It's, it's in a continuous status. The way it's continually changed is if the spirit is king of the hill. We used to play a game when I was a kid. We'd have a big hill. My whole neighborhood was on a hill. And so there was hills everywhere in everybody's yard. And basically we played this game called king of the hill. We actually renamed it. We called it kill the kid. I don't know how we got away with that. But anyway, how, is, is Derek home? Can we, I want to play kill the kid. Awesome. Go ahead, honey. Have a great day. Don't come back ever. Uh... But we play, we play, and you get to the top of the hill, and the goal was to keep everybody beneath you. 
That's what your body's trying to do with your mind and your spirit. That's what your mind's trying to do to take over your, your, your body and your spirit. But your spirit was created to be large and in charge. Can I have an amen out there? And when it is, that's when you find the power to, to overcome in those areas in the physical and mental realm. So write this down. Here's your big idea. God's vision for your body is your spirit is large and in charge. It's not your body's large and in charge. Come on, somebody. Your spirit is. So Paul describes in a familiar passage, put it in this physical context, this war. He says in Romans 7, 18, it says, for I have the desire to do what is good. Have you ever desired to do something good with your physical body? I want to work out. Uh, I'm going to join a gym. By the way, Planet Fitness is not a gym. Just want to get that out officially here at Connect. Okay, sorry if I hurt somebody's feelings. Okay, I need, <laughs> I need to, I don't want to smoke anymore. I want to schedule better. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. He says, but I cannot carry it out. I'm stuck is what he's saying. For I do not do, for what I do is not good. I want to do it. No, the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Why did I eat the whole bag of potato chips? I just, I just ate one, and then I, I was just going to eat a couple, and then I just ate the whole thing. Why did I do that? Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but check this out, but it is what? Sin living what? In me. Come on, say it. Sin living in me. So that means this is better, this problem on the outside, the things that are sinful and harmful to me, is better addressed on the outside? No, it's better addressed from the inside out. So that's why I can't get my body in line. It's because the internal part of me, it's as if there's a sign hanging on you and it says, out of order. Your triune being, out of order. Spirit has to be here. But mind is here and I'm all messed up. Or body is here and I'm like, ah, okay. No, spirit needs to be in charge, large and in charge of your life. Then he fusses in verse 24 and 5. What a wretched man that I am. This is how the enemy plays on us, by the way, when we're struggling. In other words, he's looking at himself or thinking about himself and saying, I hate myself. I hate the way I'm living. I hate, the, I hate that I keep eating all this crap. I hate that I keep doing this. I hate that I keep behaving this way. Who will rescue me from this body? It's taken over my life, this body of death. Then he says, thanks be to God through, through who? Jesus Christ or Jenny Craig? Through Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody. Our Lord. How interesting. He doesn't say it's a gym membership. He doesn't say it's accountability part. He doesn't say buy a juicer. No. Eat kale chips. No, he doesn't say that. He says the secret is I need to get more Jesus in my life. Turn to your neighbor and say, you need some more Jesus in your life. Come on. Okay? So, so this message is dedicated to you, whoever's listening online or you're, 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 you're frustrated or you hit a lid and you can't seem to break through. This is dedicated to you, okay? So here's three signs that your body's calling the shots. It's king of the hill, okay? Number one, write this down. It your body's destroying you. It destroys me. See, the enemy is the thief, the killer, the destroyer, John 10, you know that. And he, he knows if you're a believer... Saved by grace through faith. If you're a believer, the devil knows. He kind of adjusts his ploy and plots, you know. He knows he can't keep you from going to heaven. But he can make your life on earth a living hell. And he's not just trying to stop you 
make your life a living hell. He's trying to stop you through your body so you can't help anybody else. Then he stops God's plan A, which is through the church, the manifold wisdom of God would be made known, it says in Ephesians 3.10. Amen? So it's bigger. The problem with your body, which helps you get over the problem with your body, is it's bigger than you. The problem, it's bigger than you. What? Well, that just discourages me. No. When you know it's not just about you and it's about somebody else or other people, that's typically motivating. When it's just about you, it's demotivating. That's a good word. Nobody's getting what I'm saying. Nobody's amening, but I'm going to amen myself. That was good, Pastor. Amen. Okay. So here we go. 1 Corinthians 6.12 says, everything, Paul speaking, is okay for me to do. I'm free to do it, but not everything's good for me. In other words, you can be free to do something, but it doesn't mean you should do it. As a Christian, your first call, your, whom the sun sets free is free indeed, so you're free from the consequence of sin. Then you get free from bondage. Believers can have bondages, but you're not free just so you can be me and do whatever you want. You're free actually to become a free slave for him. What did he just say? Wait a second. I'm going to do a series called Free Slave at some point because I get free from the fear of man so that I can go help man. That's a free slave. That's what that means. I'm a slave to God's purposes so I get free from their approval so I can actually help those people, recruit more people, help more people, see more people set free. So God's trying to set you free, but you've been mastered by some stuff. That's why it says, but I will not be mastered by anything. The only thing that should control you is the Holy Spirit. Can I have an amen? amen? That's it. It's the only thing that should control you. So what's wonderful about the season that we're just coming out of, this fasting and prayer season, if you're new here, we just came out of 21 days of prayer and fasting. And what's great about that is it is um, a season of, an intentional season of separation, um, self-sacrifice to overcome common self-indulgences. And it makes you powerful. Not weak, but strong. Can I have an amen? amen? I need an amen because I'm fighting some of the, the effects of the fast. <laughs> so forgive me for that. But um, I want to encourage you, by the way, for those of you just coming out of the fast, don't lose, don't, don't lose what you just gained. Like, be, be very strategic about the rest of your year, not just the first part of your year. You're going to be blessed because of what you did first. Whatever's given to God first is always blessed. But be strategic. Make sure you've got fasting and prayer built into your calendar. Remember, I've said this before. This is not an elite discipline. It's an elementary discipline to fast and pray. Amen? Here's the second thing. Um, this is how you know your body's calling the shots. It dilutes my witness. Your body can cause you to lose or gain influence the way you take care of it, the way you steward the body. When I was a, a high school um, student, I played basketball, and when I was on the varsity basketball team as a junior, I had the best coach. And one of the reasons I had the best coach is because I had great respect for him. One of the reasons I had respect for him is because he was actually good at basketball. Come on, somebody. You would think that would be normal, like, okay? And he, he could shoot the lights out. In fact, he, he went to the University of Maine. He was top 10 scorer in the history of the school. And just incredible. Then he retired at the end of my junior year. I was devastated. We get this new coach. This new coach comes in. And uh, I won't say his name, but I want to so bad. But that would be wrong. Um, but he came in. And um, he couldn't play the game. 
supposedly knew the game but couldn't play the game, couldn't shoot a layup. Um, he's making us run, yelling at us, smoking cigarettes while we're running, trying to make the team. How do you know you have a hard time respecting people when they do that, right? It's going to be a little difficult, right? So his body diluted his witness as a coach. Is everybody with me right now? Now, sometimes there's some hardships and difficulties that are, you know, we got to be careful that we don't judge. So therefore, it's similar to me. Sometimes like right now, here I'm talking about health and I'm struggling with my health. You know, it's funny. It's like devil's just such a liar and a mocker, isn't he? But anyway, but sometimes you gotta, you got to preach the truth. Even if it's not all worked out in your life, it's being worked out in your life. And you, you walk it out and you talk it out by faith. Amen? But there's something in us that doesn't want to be judged by others. But conversely, we don't, want, we don't want to be influenced by somebody that doesn't appear to be practicing or attempting to live what they say. Is everybody with me right now? Are you up? Are you paying attention? Okay. So here's the solution, I think. We're all a work in progress. We're all being made more like Christ. We're all moving from, the Bible says, glory to glory. And we're going kind of, we're going to new levels in God. So we're a work in progress. We're not arrived. We never will arrive. But we're, we're getting better every day. We're in the grind. We're in the fight. We're, we're doing our best to manage and steward these corruptible tents as to the best of our ability. But what the world does to some of you, and this will apply some, is it distorts reality and says it's not about progress. It's about perfection. And so the world tries to get you to compare yourself to something that's not real or perfect. And you look in the mirror and you say, it's not worth it because I can't be him or her or look like that or this. Because of perfection. But that distortion, that it, 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 makes, you, it makes you give up and this corruptible gets even more corrupted as a result of that distortion. Is everybody with me? God wants you. Here's the thing. Just, just get better. In fact, just be the best you you can be. That's your goal. See, you're, I'm never going to be a marathoner, okay? I'm not saying I'm, I couldn't run a marathon. I've run a half marathon. I'm not planning on running a marathon. I like running the mailbox into the refrigerator. That's my favorite time of the day, okay? But, but you kind of get my point here. See, I, I'm structurally made not to be a marathoner, okay? But, but you couldn't maybe lift a truck, and I could, okay? So we're just, we're just wired different. You be you. I, you might run like a gazelle, you might be able to move a cord of wood one log at a time. I like to just move it all at the same time, just one load, okay? We're just wired. We're made differently. It's important for you to be you and not compare yourself to somebody else. Is everybody with me? So when you look in the mirror, you don't compare to a, 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 a distorted perfection, you compare yourself to the way God originally designed you. And so how you pray is, God, show me my original design. Restore the manufacturing settings to the way that you made and created me to be. Does everybody get me right now? That's who you need to be. Then the Bible says, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds. What happens is when you're being you the way God created you to be, people look at you and say, I want that. Not, I could never be that, or I'm comparing myself to that. They say, I want to be like that. Now, you're glorifying your Father in heaven, as it says in the book of Colossians. So God always designed you, through your body, to be a billboard, a living curriculum, kind of a poster for your creator. Is everybody with me? In 2 Corinthians 8.21, it says, for we are taking pains. That means it's hard work. No pain, no gain. 
to do what is right, not only in the eyes of the Lord, but also in the eyes of men. So that means people are watching you to see if your life is making a difference, if it works. See, I think people follow me not because of the lofty things that I could say, but ultimately they're following me because my wife and I have been married for all these years. And that we have kids that follow Jesus and serve in the local church. That's why people follow. They want to see, does it work? Does everybody make sense right now? Okay. It's quiet in this Catholic church right now. Okay, number three. It destroys, it dilutes, it dishonors God. It dishonors God. See, it, this bod is, according to scripture, the, is the temple of God. It is the house of the Holy Spirit. Acts 17, 24 says, the, the, this temple was not built by human hands. It was built by God himself. And so no, no longer does God reside in a physical edifice of some sort. And, and, and it's, it's inside of you. You carry the countenance, the character, the compassion of Christ within you. And when you have that view of who's with you, you will take care of and steward your body that's carrying him with you. Does that make sense, everybody? Have you ever noticed that with certain spaces and places, you could go to a building or be in a certain type of uh, service experience, and whether automated or initiated by someone, people take off their hat out of honor and respect for the place or space that you're in. Maybe it's a, a religious, you know, uh, uh, you know, artifact, or maybe it's a religious environment or something, or maybe it's just a, a, a place of respect or whatever it is. It's interesting that we, we do those things to a physical edifice, but what if we looked at our body with the same sense of honor and respect? But we don't. We discredit it. We, dis, we disrespect it too often. I think God wants us to reference it, uh, reverence it. 1 Corinthians 6.15 says, Do you not know, as if you don't, your bodies are members of Christ himself. Hashtag wow. Okay? So we need to get fit. Everybody say, it's time to get fit. All right, let's all get up and let's do some push-ups. Everybody, let's go. Ten. Give me ten. Give me ten. No. Here we go. Quickly, four signs of spiritual fitness. Number one, you got to worship God, not your body. The Bible says, offer your bodies a living sacrifice. This is your spiritual act of worship. But what happens is we have... Two extremes that culture offers us that don't worship God. So instead of worshiping God, we have two extremes. We are either a worshiper of the body or a neglector of the body. The two extremes, the two places culture pushes us are worshiper of the body or a neglector of the body. Is everybody tracking with me right now? So you should be able to, just like that, know this is my bent. My bent is towards neglector. My bent is towards worshiper. How many of you in the room, you can, like, you'll be upset if you don't work out today. It will not be a good day if you don't work out like almost every day. Raise your hand if that's you. Okay, it'll be about like 10, 20% tops. Maybe even less in this room. We need more prayer. Okay. Uh, <laughs> how many of you like couch potato? Okay, you know what I mean? Like you just admit it. Like if your toes were supposed to be close to your hand, God would have made you that way. He, just raise your hand. That's you. Okay. All right. Raise your hand if you've had plastic surgery to look better. Come on. No? No? All right. I was trying to see if you'd jump in on that. Okay. You know who you are. You're a worshiper. You're a neglector. Okay? Here's the thing. Either extreme is bad for you and short-circuit the power of God working through you. 
Those extremes short-circuit the power of God working through you. Is everybody with me right now? See, a worshiper at, at the root of a worshiper is a person of pride. The fruit that they eat from, it's a tree of knowledge, they eat from the fruit is health. I'm healthy. I'm healthy. But the root of a worshiper is I'm proud. I'm better than the air I breathe. I can't believe you'd put that in your body. They're judgmental. Okay, now a neglector, the fruit of a neglector, uh, you know, they're, they're, is, they feel justified in what they're doing. It's rights and freedom. That's, that's their fruit. Like, it's my body. I can do what I want to, you know? And, and, and they sing that song. It's like, I can eat whatever I want. I can do whatever I want to, you know? No, you can't because it's not your body. The, the root of that is actually guilt. They're masking that they don't feel good inside about themselves. And so they have to justify their sin. Is everybody with me right now? With rights and freedom. Everybody get that? But here's the key. As you move to either extreme, you put unnecessary pressure on the people closest to you. Point in case. I have a bent towards the worshiper. I, you know, there were times and seasons in our married life. My wife's here to testify, but I'm not going to give her the mic for this in the name of Jesus. But, but I would put my idolatrous relationship with the gym and, and getting in shape and getting strong above her and the kids sometimes. I didn't see it that way because I was worshiping it. You're blind. Your worship blinds and binds you to being able to see what God's trying to do through you. So I'm, I'm going to the gym between 5 p.m. and 8 p.m. when I've got four, three, four little rugrats at home who need their dad and it's tubby time, and it's dinner time, and it's my wife just wants to hand me a kid and leave the country, and that kind of a place that she was in. And I'm at the gym getting strong. So she just, she just basically felt, that's a mistress, and that's getting in the way of our marriage. That extreme, that's what happened. The other side of the equation was my grandfather. My grandfather was a neglector. He didn't, he didn't work out. His biggest muscle was his belly. The belly bicep is what I used to call it right now. He didn't have a six-pack. He had a one-pack. You could hit that baby going, it was like hard as a rock, everybody. It was powerful. But anyway, my grandfather unfortunately died at 59 years old of a heart attack. And he left my dad when my dad needed him most. See, what happens is if you don't deal with the bod, you will put... Culture will push you to these extremes, and it will, it will hurt relationships or be very damaging and harmful to relationships. So you can't be right with God and not right with people. I'm good, me and God, because you're not right here. You can't worship your body and neglect your wife and kids and friends. A good thing or a freedom should not be a stumbling block for someone else. Uh, listen to this. This is strong. If you neglect your body, you will eventually force those closest to you to take care of you because you didn't. Some of you are doing that for someone else right now. So Paul in Corinthians deals with a problem that is existing today. And that is a dualistic thinking that I can have a spiritual time with God and be all on fire for God. But I, it's separate from my body. This is a God thing. And my body, it's a personal thing. And Paul's like, mm-mm. The world system and culture then is saying the two never shall meet. And Paul's saying, nope, they are united. 
They're one and the same. So number two, you honor God with your bod. You have to merge a couple of things here. Let me show you. Colossians 1.16 and 1 Corinthians 6.20. This is like a, a theme text. If you had to walk away with kind of like a, a master statement to live by with regards to your body, it would come from these two verses. Colossians 1.16 says, For by him were all things created, heaven, earth, visible, invisible, thrones, powers, rulers, authority, all things. Everybody say all things. Were created by him and for him. <clears throat> then in 1 Corinthians 6, it says, second, uh, 20, 20th verse, you are not your own, you were bought with a price, therefore honor God with your body. Now, if you take those two verses together, here's what it says. You were created by him, for him, to bring honor to him. That's your life statement for your body. You're created by him, for him, to bring honor to him. Is everybody with me? How do you do it, though? How do you honor God with your body? Three things real quick underneath that. you got to have strong character. Strong character to stay healthy, to walk in divine health. Strong character is formed by strong habits. First we form habits, then habits form us. You're never going to get around. There's just some discipline. There's some strict training. There's some pain you have to go through, okay? But my daddy used to do this with me. When, when we were sick, we'd go to my dad because he'd pray for people and they get, they get well. But my dad, underneath the great physician, would act like a physician. And I'd say, Dad, would you pray for me? I'm sick. He'd, he'd examine us. He'd, he basically would be examining our conscience and our conduct. He'd say things like, okay, how have you been, how have you been sleeping? What, are you, what were you eating today? Because you're not, when you're not feeling well, what were you eating today? And I was thinking, like, I don't want to tell him I was eating Doritos and Yohos and Doodles and whatever, Pringles by the, you know, Fig Newtons by the sleeve. I don't know why I'm sick, you know. So he was examining me, right, see what was going on. And then he'd ask questions sometimes like, have you lied today? I'm like, oh, what did you say? You know, I was trying to stall. Because he knew that there were things, like you can't, you can't have confidence before God if your heart condemns you, so you got to get these things dealt with. That's connected to your health. Are you stewarding your mind? Are you stewarding your body? Don't go to God and say, give me a solution. Lottery, lottery, I need to win. No, it's not going to work like that. So anyway, you got to have strong, strong, strong character. Number two, strong constitutions. This is a mindset. I wish I could spend more time on this, but I can't. This is a point it's hard to translate. You just have to get to a place where you don't tolerate sickness. That Most people that feel the way I do would not be here today if they, had, if they didn't have strong constitutions. Are you with me right now? I'm not trying to brag. I'm trying to make a point. Okay, because we, we get a little tickle and, and we decide we're not going to work tomorrow. What the heck is that? That is a weak constitution. We need to have a mindset that I'm the healed of the Lord. We need to have a mindset that he created me to live victoriously. And you, I have too much to do, too much to accomplish. I'm not going to be taken out by a little tickle. I'm not prophesying. I'm sick. We're going to say like we say in the South, I am fixing to catch a healing in Jesus' name. How are you feeling today? I don't feel good, but I'm fixing to catch a healing. Amen? I want to challenge you to live whole. Strong convictions. This is about our beliefs. Our beliefs. 
My son, attend unto my words, incline thine ear unto my saying, let them not depart from thee. Keep them always in the midst of thee, for they are life unto those that find them and health to all of their flesh. We need to go to God and God's word when we're sick. My dad used to say, uh, son, before you go to the doctor, go to the throne before you go to the phone. Some of us are so quick to call up a physician before we call the great physician. That's why sometimes we're not living victoriously within our body because we don't see God as our source. He's the, he created you. He knows how to fix you. Amen? So when you get sick, I think you should, first of all, like repent. I, I, oftentimes when I'm sick, I'm like, oh, God. And if I stop and say, God, I don't even have to ask anymore. He's bringing right to my remembrance. You haven't got a good night's sleep. You stayed up too late and you know you shouldn't have. You weren't stewarding your body well. You, were, you ate, uh, you know, half a pint of, you know, chocolate chip ice cream. I didn't do that. But anyway, uh, think about it sometimes. But whatever it is, you kind of repent for negligence. You got to agree with God and apply the promises of God. Psalm 103 says, you know, I'll bless the Lord, oh, my soul, all that is within me. Bless his holy name who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. So you got to apply the promises. you got to pray it with certainty, and then you got to walk it out as if you're healed. Amen? This is good preaching right here. Number three, watch what you do. This is about living on purpose. Living on purpose. See, watching what you do, most people focus on negative reinforcement. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't do that. If you focus on what you're not going to do, you're going to end up doing it. I don't want to smoke anymore. I'm going to stop smoking. I'm going to quit smoking cigarettes. You know, tomorrow I'm going to stop smoking cigarettes. Then I get to tomorrow, I'm going to quit smoking cigarettes. What are we thinking about all the time? Smoking cigarettes. You need to change your focus, not on what you're not going to do, but what God's called you to do. You need to live on purpose. Live on purpose. It changes everything. Purpose protects. Purpose protects people. Purpose protects bodies. My daddy used to get sick and he would say things like, God, I can't afford to be sick. I've got too much to accomplish. Oh, man, this is good preaching. I'm just loving what I'm saying right now. i got too much to accomplish. Do you know what you have to accomplish? If, if you don't, that's a key to divine health. That's a key to living large and making sure your spirit's in charge of your body. Amen? 1 Corinthians 9, 24, this is what it says, Paul speaking. Hey, you going to run a race? Run to win. Everyone, though, who's in a race competes goes into strict training. There's just no way around getting kind of tough in training. They do it to get a crown that won't last. We do it to get a crown that will last forever. So therefore, he says, I don't run like one beat in the air. I don't run like a person running aimlessly. I run on purpose. That's why it's so important to be connected. If you're listening online, you need to get connected to a local church because you need to figure out what your purpose is. And I can assure you, your purpose is connected to a local church because God wants to accomplish something that's bigger than you. And he wants you to do it with other people so you can reach more people for him. Amen. So important. Come on, give the Lord a big hand clap if you get a clap. <laughs> Amen. So he says, I beat my body, I make it a slave. He's basically saying the, the, the mind, the body, they have to subordinate to the spirit. Why? Because after I preach and I do all the things I'm supposed to do for God, I don't want my body to disqualify me. If you don't train your body, it can disqualify you. If you don't bring it under submission to a mission, this body, I can't tell you the stories of people that, that, that I followed and looked up to that in so many ways were just absolutely awesome, but because they didn't steward their body well, they were, they were, their, their ministry, their mission was stunted or stopped 
because they didn't take care of the body. Now, I'm going to ask the campus pastors in both locations, and, and I'm going to ask the music team to join me right now. I want to pray for you, but here's the fourth point. Write this down. This is part of our ministry time. You need a revelation. you got to get a revelation about your body. This is kind of the soul motivation, S-O-U-L. This is what, this is what happened to me. I don't know how to, if I can explain this, but I think we all need a personal revelation. I came to the realization or revelation as with regards to my body, look at me now, that I am a slave. This body is his. Submitted, surrendered, and needs to be consecrated uh, to him. Why? Because, because of what Jesus did for me. Because of the debt that he paid for me. Because of the consequence of my actions, my mistakes, my sin. I don't want to go back to my old life. Guilt, shame that literally overwhelmed me to the point where at different times in my life I felt suicide. I don't want to go back to that person. I don't want to go, I don't want to have to pay for my sins according to God's word. And thankfully God the Father brought his brought his son on my gave his son on my behalf, his firstborn, first fruits, perfect child to pay my debt. It's incredible. And and because he was executed on my behalf, this is crazy. I, the addictions the generational curses, the sinful actions, the corresponding consequences, all dealt with by this person who did that for me. I owe him something for that. I can't give my, my life in death, but I can give my life in this life for him. He purchased me with his own blood. I, I, I legally belonged to the devil before Jesus, and so did you. And the devil, like he has the keys to my soul before I met him, before Jesus paid for my debt. It's as if Jesus came for you and for me. This is my revelation. It could be yours. And said, how much would it cost to get Derek back? And the devil holding the keys rightfully and legally said everything. And Jesus said, I'll pay it. I'll pay it. I'll pay it for him. And he said that for you. First Corinthians, that's why it says, you are not your own. You were bought with a price the highest price, which means you're priceless and you should not treat yourself with disrespect. So Jesus presents himself a total sacrifice so you could present yourself a living sacrifice. Amen? With every head bowed, every eye closed, let me pray for you. If you've never received what Jesus did for you, the total sacrifice for your sins, it's, it's a good day to be in church. It's a good day for you to hear this word. Maybe you're, you know it in your heart. You're far from God. You're not sure. You're not distant. You're just, you're disconnected. You've never been connected to Jesus in the first place. Sir, ma'am, boy, or girl, you can be connected to him right now by calling on his name. And his name is Jesus. And he waits for you to exercise your free will to invite him into your life so that he can be your savior and he can be your Lord. And so I'm not going to play around. I'm just going to give you that chance right now. Everybody's eyes are closed and heads are bowed. It's between me, you, and God. If that's you and you want to come to Jesus, you want to be in right standing with him, you're listening online, you're listening and framing him, you can just you can raise your hand right when I say on the count of three. One, two, three. That's me. Raise my hand. I want that. God bless you. Good night. Be, be, be bold. Thank you. All over the room. Thank you. Thank you. All those hands online, you can click that little button. You just say yes, 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 yes. That's good. That's so good. Thank you for your courage. You can put your hand out. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. 
Let's pray this prayer together. Those that have prayed this prayer before, would you join them? Those that raised their hand. This prayer is not going to save you. Believe it in your heart will, though. Say, Jesus. Come on, say it loud. Say, Jesus, save me. Spirit, mind, and body. Make me a new creation in Christ Jesus. I want to be in relationship with you. I thank you that you paid my debt. Today I choose to be a free slave for the Son of God from this day forward in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a biggest hand clap. Let's thank him for his word. Let's thank him for salvation, for all those lives that are changed. Amen, amen, amen.